0: Thank you, worship team. What a great time of worship that you all led us into. That was real, real good. I know I enjoyed it. Hallelujah. So good to have you out here today. I know it was cold. It still is cold. It's going to stay cold for a little while, isn't it? But we are prepared. Thank God he made us warm blooded creatures. That means you can warm up even when it's not warm outside. But good to have you here today, the last day of the year. We look forward to spending it together here with you. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, we spent some time looking at asking God for healing because a lot of times we are asking God for healing in areas we've already been healed. And if we're asking God to receive something that He's already given us, then are we having faith? How can we have faith in what God said if we ask Him for things He's already given us. And certainly in the area of, of sickness and disease, He has given us power and authority over that. And we need to operate and walk in that, that power and authority more than what we have. But it's very easy for us to fall back on, well, I'm just going to ask God for healing on this, instead of doing what He said to do, which is to speak to the sickness or disease and walk in your authority. We've got to make sure that we do what God said to do Because when God speaks to us about things and we listen to it, we begin to grow. We want to look at a a story of healing in the Word of God. We have been on this a number of times. I think the last time was almost two years ago. We spent some time on this particular story. But what we want to look at is, and in the Word of God, it doesn't really make a distinction in this, but if you're looking for it, you can see the distinction. There is a difference between asking God for healing in the area of sickness and disease and receiving healing in the area of an injury. Now, if you think about this, how many of us have been injured? (laughs) We've had injury. Injury is not caused by sickness and disease. It's not caused by something to take authority over. It's something that has happened to us. In this particular story, the healing is a result of something that occurred in this person's life because of an injury. And we know that from the, the way that the, the Word of God covers this. But we want to spend some time with this because even though they're different, it doesn't mean that you can't be healed from an injury. Because obviously people in the Word of God were. They were, they were healed in an area of injury. But sometimes we, we come out with things in relation to injury that are so similar to sickness and disease, we've lost the difference in it because we're not trying to make a distinction or not learning to go to the Word of God to say, what does the Word of God have to say on this so that our words are based on what is in the Word of God? Now, don't raise your hand if you've ever said anything like this or even if you've thought it. But how many times have we had a situation where we fell or something happened and our, our first thing out of our mouth is, well, I believe it's not broken. Or if we did stumble and and do something and cause damage, well, I believe I'll recover in half the time. And we'll say things like this, and they sound good and they sound spiritual, and they've even worked for some people. But what are you basing it on? And if we are not basing it in something in the Word of God, then what we're doing is not in the area of faith. Because if you're going to have faith, it has to be something in, in, in a Word that God has either spoken to you, ...or a word that he has written to you. Otherwise, we're walking in an area of assumption. Even presumption. I presume that it's okay for me to say this. Now, I'm not saying that you can't say those things... ...or that those things are are, are wrong. I'm saying that a lot of times we speak them... ...but we have no basis for it. And faith always has a basis. There is always something behind the faith... Faith is not based on what is seen. Faith is based on what is unseen. And faith is based on what God has said. And so if we have faith in what God has said because it has not come about just yet. That's why we have faith. If it's already come about, why are we having faith for it? It's already here. I don't have faith for something I receive. Christmas is past. Some, uh, some little kids had faith that what they asked their mom and dad for, they'd get now we're past Christmas. We're past the time of faith, aren't we? Either you have it or you don't. See, so that's the thing how it how it works with God. You have faith up until the time that you get it. But a lot of times, Christians are waiting to get it before they have faith. But you don't need faith after you get it because you already got it. You need faith before you have it so you can get it. So we're going to take a look at this story from the import, uh, from the standpoint of injury. Let's take a look at the first couple of verses here. And in uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 in Gospel of Mark, He entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. Now when it says here that the man had a withered hand, it's in the... The, the, way, the way it is phrased in the Greek is that this is a past-completed action having present-day results. This is as the result. Now, the English doesn't have quite this descriptive of... You can get there in the English, and you can certainly describe it. But in the Greek, they actually have a tense, a, a way, a, a, a participle as, a, as it is that as you put this, uh, build this thing together in the Greek, it actually says that this is the result of something that happened in the past. But it has results all the way up until the present. How many of you have done something in the past that has results right now? You know, some examples of that is, you, you can think back, and some of you can think back to the day you got married. That's a past action, isn't it? Doesn't it have present day results? Sure does. It's something that happened in the past, but it's the results of that action continue here in the, in the future. Sometimes we have actions that we've done in the past and have no ramifications in our present. It's just something that, that happened. And we're, we're kind of past that. But this is talking about a particular action that happened in the past that has current or present-day effects. So this man had a withered hand means that he had it because, uh, as a result of something that happened in the past. More than likely, we are not looking at a condition he was born with, but something that occurred possibly on a job in which his arm or his hand was injured, which caused it to be, as the Word of God describes it as, withered. It's not so important that we know exactly what withered is, but somehow it caused him to not be able to use it the way that we would normally use it. So, he entered the synagogue again, again, and a man who had a withered hand was there, who had a withered hand. So, they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. So, the purpose of them being here in church on this particular day, and watching Jesus, they're not watching Jesus for the miracles that he's doing. They're not watching Jesus for the word that he's going to teach them. They're watching Jesus because... I know he's going to try and heal that guy. When he does, we want to, we want to get on him for it. We want, we want to take him out because of uh, what he's doing here. We don't like that he's healing people on the Sabbath. He shouldn't do that on the, on the Sabbath. Can you imagine having a week of special meetings and a guest minister coming in, have a healing gift on them? And they come in and they start the meeting on Sunday and the guest minister would get up and he'd say, I know we're starting this meeting on Sunday, but we can't pray for anybody for healing for today because it's the Sabbath. Could you imagine that happening? <laughs> but that's what's happening here in Jesus' day. They don't want anybody to come into the special meeting on the on the Sabbath. And it seems like for the most part it was the habit on the Sabbath to get together, not on the other days. Now here's the thing we learn from the the enemy on, on this. The enemy has a goal in mind for you. I've got these blank in your in your outline. You can fill these in. This is nothing new to you. You've had this before. But the enemy wants to first off deceive, deceive me. That's his goal. He wants to deceive us. He wants to get us into a place where we believe something or we think something that is wrong. They want to deceive us. We can see this, you know, when we were growing up, how many people were in your life that tried to deceive you into thinking that you were nobody special, you were no good? Some people wanted to deceive others into thinking that they're ugly. That they're, that they're no good. And uh, things, along that, things along those lines. Have you ever seen the movie? This is an old one. Hans Christian Andersen. Anybody ever seen that? Nobody's seen that movie? What is wrong with you folks? What are you out there watching? All right, that's the first time you can go on home and you can... now you don't have to do this. It's a, it's an, it's a good movie. But Danny Kaye, back in the day of Danny Kaye movies. And he came out with this song called Ugly Duckling. You probably have heard the song if you haven't seen the movie. But the song is about this uh, little, little duckling. And uh, all the other ducklings looked at this little duck and they, they said, oh, you're so ugly. You're so ugly. Anybody remember the song? All right, a few people remember the song. You're so ugly, they would say to this, this duck. And this duck got to believing that he was so ugly. That he was an ugly duckling. And so he just kind of withdrew from everybody and went off by himself and didn't want to be around anybody who was telling him all the time how ugly he was, how ugly he was. And he just kind of stayed by himself. And after a while, he uh, came upon some other, some other, I don't know who, what they were, some other folks in the bird family. It's been a while since I heard the song. <laughs> and he came upon them and they said, Oh, wow, what a beautiful swan you are. Oh, no, not me. I'm ugly. I'm no swan. Oh, yes, you are. You are a beautiful swan, they would tell him. And he had been told so long that he was an ugly duckling that he did not believe. One, that he was beautiful. Or two, that he was anything but a duck. And so they had to look look in the water. Look at the reflection of you in the water. And he said he looked and he saw and he said, I'm not an ugly duckling. And it's a fun song. I'll tell you what, every time I hear that song, I think, man, that's a, that's a good one. But we, we can get into a place where we believe what people are saying. We believe what is said, and people have deceived us into thinking that we are insignificant, we are ugly, we have no cause to be in this earth, we are weird, all the different things that they, they begin to tell us. And we pretty soon, we begin to line up with those beliefs that people have about us and those things that people say about us. That's the purpose of the enemy. They're out here to try and to deceive you into thinking that you are something that you are not. But if if the enemy can get you to believe that you are something that you are not, then the enemy will succeed in keeping you from becoming what you are or seeing yourself as what you are. If you don't want to go out and watch the whole movie, go up on YouTube and Ugly duckling, any case. See if they have it up there. That was a, that was a fun one. Alright, the first thing the enemy wants to do is deceive you. Second thing is to pervert the word on the inside of you. The enemy wants to come and take the word of God that you have and pervert it. He wants you to think that that word would be applied in areas where it cannot be applied. He wants you to not apply it where it can be applied. He wants to take the word of God that's in you and pervert it and corrupt it so that you begin to think things about the word That are not true. How many of us came out of backgrounds that taught us that healing is not for today? Yeah, we we came out, I I came out of that background. Healing is not for today. And we believed, even though we read the healing scriptures in the Word, we would read those scriptures and we would think, well, that's not for today. How many of us came out of churches that taught us that the gifts of the Spirit were not for today? And every time we ran across scriptures about the gifts of the Spirit, what did we say? Well, that's not for today. I'll read them, but it's not for today. It's not applying to me, and so we don't uh, we we don't do that. How many of us grew up in churches where dancing was not a part of worship? Absolutely, dancing was was not a part of worship, and so anytime we came across upon, upon scriptures in the Word that said anything about dancing, we would say, "That's not for today. That's not for today." We don't do that. How many of us grew up thinking, being told that the the Word of God does not tell us to speak to things? That everything we do is we just ask God, and and if it's God's will, if it be His will, then you'll get it. And so we don't command things, we don't speak to things, we just let those things go. Because that's what we were taught. And So when we came upon times when Jesus spoke to things, what did we say? Well, that's not for today. And I could keep on going with this list, couldn't I? There's other things. But we were just taught. We began to think. We began to believe. This is not for today. And the word that was in us was perverted so it didn't have its full effect. We didn't let it have its full effect. And then one day we came into understanding something was different. So the enemy wants to deceive me. He wants to pervert the word in me. He wants to steal the word from me. He wants to take that word that's in you and just pull it out. He wants to get it so that it's gone. That's not... He wants you to forget about it. He wants you to see it as this isn't God. He wants to get you out from, from under the Word. He wants to get you to a place where you're not doing anything with the Word and that Word that was in you is now gone. He wants to steal the Word from you. He wants to kill the life of God in you. He wants to kill it. He sees the life of God in you but He wants to kill it. So He's going to come against you with everything He can to try and kill that. And certainly deceiving you, perverting the Word, stealing the Word, this is all going to help kill that life of God in you. But He's going to throw all kinds of things at you to get rid of the life of God because that's a threat to Him. Overall, He wants to neutralize you. He wants to get you into a place where you are no longer a problem for Him. He wants to neutralize you. If the enemy cannot neutralize you in this way, then he will try another way. He'll try another tactic. And this is what we're going to see here with the Pharisees. We're going to see some things going on here with the Pharisees. And I put this in your outline for you. We we can become so careful by not being deceived that we become stubborn and unteachable. We can become so careful about not being deceived. That we become stubborn and unteachable. So I know the tactics of the enemy. He's deceived me, pervert, steal, kill the life of God in me. And so i become so defensed against that. I don't want to be deceived that I become stubborn. And I don't allow the Word of God to come in me to enlighten me. That when something comes in and it's new, well, that's not right. And I resist it. And I hold it back. You'll see this with the Pharisees. Jesus came in and began to heal people. Well, this is okay. Until He became so popular with it, they began to try and find fault with how He healed people. And so he, they found a way that He was healing people on the Sabbath. Well, we can't have this because that's against the Word of God. I think it was more because they were upset that his, the, the healing He was doing was causing Him to be so popular and they were so unpopular. Well, we've got to be careful. They we're not so cautious about being deceived that I don't allow the Spirit of God to speak to me about new, new stuff. Now, if I were to ask this question, I'm sure I would get an affirmative answer from all of you. So here's the question. How many of you still have more to learn about the Word of God? We all agree to that, right? <laughs> I, I have more to learn about the Word of God. There's far more about God that I have to learn yet. In fact, probably what I know is far less than what I have yet to learn. But if I will accept the fact that there is more for me to learn than what I know right now then I must be open to hear things that are different from what I know isn't that right I have to allow him to clear up some things I'm operating in a certain way this way isn't right and all of a sudden God's going to come along and say "All right, now it's time to correct this it's time to fix this when you were a child didn't you believe certain things think certain things were true and your parents didn't necessarily stop you. They didn't uh they didn't correct you on those. We'll, we'll deal with that later on. Um you know we we think it's cute. A uh, little girl, she goes over there she has some words that she mispronounces. And we just think it's the most fun thing. I won't tell you all of them, and if you hear her mispronounce a word, or we we would just say don't correct her just we kind of think it's fun. <laughs> but uh, I remember my daughter came to me. and She says she's not saying that anymore because she used to. What was it? Yellow. Lel- and 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 gark. Yep. She said instead of dark, it was gark. Well, that one went. That one fell away. And now it's dark. And before it was uh, instead of yellow, it was lello. I think it was something along that. Well, we still have a couple of words in there that that uh, that are kind of messed up and we just let her go on we think it's the cutest thing <laughs> that she has these certain words that she says in a certain way um, but you know after a while you would, you would begin to correct it's not cute anymore it's not fun you want them to be able to, to function right and to, to learn these things right and so eventually you, you work those things out and pretty much the kids kind of do it on their own they, they kind of well it's not pronounced that way anymore she never came to us and said oh it's not gark dark it's dark she just started using it the, the other way. Or sometimes, you know, the past tense that the kids use is, uh, is a little off. And you just hear that and you say, oh, man, that's cute. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fun. But eventually there's going to come a time when you're going to learn those things. So just because you learned it this way doesn't mean that that's true. And God sometimes looks at us that way. Look how cute that is. They think that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, in a little while we're going to be able to enlighten them on this. But right now this is fine. And he lets us go on some things because he can get us into, uh, into some other areas. My wife was uh, telling me just, just this weekend, she was listening, going back into some A.A. Allen meetings and listening to him and a couple other ones she had mentioned. And she was listening to some of the things that they taught. And, and she saw in the meetings the miracles and the things that, that were happening in these things. But she said, some of the things they were, they were teaching, we know now That's wrong. She said, she said, they're teaching stuff, and it wasn't right. It wasn't quite correct. It was, uh, it was off. But they still had great healings going on inside the meetings, and, and, and things were, were going on with it. And if I mentioned to them, you would say, oh, yeah, well, that's not quite right. That's a, that's, we've certainly learned better than to think that's the way that it is right now. But, see, there was a, a, a great anointing on, on them. And uh, I, I, was, I was pondering that for a little bit when she was talking about it. And I, I thought about this. You know, sometimes we lose the giftings that are in the Word of God. The Word of God says that He gave gifts to men. And there are some of those gifts that, it, that are mentioned. Is, uh teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of faith. There are different uh, types of miracles or different types of things like this. And sometimes we think that if a person operates in the area of healing, in the area of miracles, they must also operate in the area of teaching. And so you'll see people have great anointings on their life in the area of, of healing and miracles, but they also feel like they have to get up there and teach. And sometimes when they have taught some things, they're not teaching right, right on. But then the miracles flow. Well, see, that's the area that they should, they should be flowed in. And then you have some people that are good teachers, but are not necessarily gifted in the area of miracles and faith. But they feel like, well, in order to me to be a complete minister, I need to teach and then I need to have miracles of, of uh, healing and miracles of faith going on. And instead of just relying on, on different ones, alright, this one's in the body of Christ for, for this, this one's in the body of Christ here for, for this and and just to, to stay on those particular areas. Sometimes we've lost that in the body of Christ. I feel like we've got to be a, a one-stop one-stop shop going hit all the things right right here. Well, then there'd be no reason for the rest of the body of Christ. You know, there's giftings of a prophet. That's different from the gifting of a teacher or an exhorter or the other things that would come up. Now, this man did not come to the meeting for healing. It's likely that he was just present in this meeting because this is where he came to church. He just showed up, and they knew Jesus was coming, and they knew the man would be there. And they thought, when Jesus comes, and here's this man, we can probably get something to go on here. It's interesting, too, that they expected Jesus to heal the man. They weren't wondering. They expected Jesus to heal him. So even though they had knowledge of him, they never got him healed. They knew that Jesus, once he saw him, he'd get him healed, and then we'd have a, a reason to go on from there. So they watched Jesus closely. They kept an eye on Him. Now see, that thing about not healing on the Sabbath, that was not a law on the Word of God. That was a law that the Pharisees made up. But they treated it like it was the Word of God. I put in your outline this, they had become so calloused that they preferred their doctrine over helping people. They preferred what they believed over actually helping people. So here's a question for you. Which is more important, doctrine or people? Now that's a tough question because there's a problem on both sides. If your answer to that would be doctrine, if you say doctrine, you will act like the Pharisees. And you're going to treat doctrine as more important than people and you'll come up with things like no healing on the Sabbath. You'll come up with things that hurt people because they support your doctrine. If you say people then you may become vulnerable to be moved off of your principles for the purpose of helping people. You can be moved off your, your principles. Well, I, you know, I, doctrine is good, but we want to help people here. And I think it's more important that we help people. Now, you'll fall you'll into this. Let's, uh, let's pick something that's, that's fairly easy to do. How many of you have people th- that are unsaved that have problems financially? All right, how many of you have been tempted, until you knew better anyway, how many of you have been tempted to get in there and to pray for them that God would bless them financially or God would bless them with a job, but they're they're not a believer? And there's nothing in the Word of God that says that God can step in and help financially people that are not believers. They're not honoring the, the principles of the Word. If they're not honoring the principles of tithing, doesn't that tie the hands of God? But you see, if you believe to help people and that's more important than doctrine. Then you can get in there and say, "Well, we just God just needs to get in here and help people," and because that has has uh, risen over doctrine. And so this is where we fall into the problem here: is that well, God just needs to do something. Never said something uh, something along those lines in the situation you were seeing. God just needs to help people. God just needs to step in and do some things for some people here because these people are hurting. These people are in need. See, you've slipped over to the other side. You can become vulnerable to get moved off of your principles. Another thing you can fall into is that you can not act until the benefit is seen or known when you get on the side of people. So the idea here is not to be on either side, doctrine or people. The idea is to be balanced right there in the middle. That doctrine comes in and ministry to people come in because the word of God is all about helping people so we just need to keep pushing into the word until we find out what is the word teaching us what is the word saying to us that we can find out how God wants to help people here so both sides have a problem the Pharisees are on the side of doctrine they have fallen into the side of doctrine but we know many people today who have fallen on the side of people and God just needs to do something God just needs to help these people God just needs to yeah, we're going to tell God what to do here all right, let's go on. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Now, if you have something like a Williams, I didn't bring Williams over with me for, for this one, but I believe he, he carries this. It's either Williams or Weest who, who do this. The actual Greek here is worded this way. Be arising into the midst. In other words, in this atmosphere here where the, the Pharisees have come into the meeting to watch Jesus to see if he will heal the man. And if he does, to accuse him, once he's in that area of, of healing, this is what he's rising into. Have you ever been into a place where you know that some of the leaders, some of the higher up, are out to get somebody, or out for a certain purpose, and you know that the whole thing is just charged with this is, that's going on? You can kind of feel it. That's what's going on here in this in this meeting. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, "Step forward, or be a rising into the midst." And he said to them, "Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill?" But they kept silent. So he says to them in front of all of them. Alright, you guys are holding the doctrine. Is it more important to hold the doctrine at the, at the expense of people? Helping people? That's basically what he's asking here. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Now what they looked at up until this point was not healing on the Sabbath was keeping the word, which is a good thing. What Jesus is saying is, not healing on the Sabbath causes harm to people. So, should we cause harm on the Sabbath or should we help on the Sabbath? Well, they hadn't looked at it that way. And now it's just phrased it like that and I don't know that we can say anything. It hasn't changed their position though. Their position is the same. But he's just saying these these things. Now notice this, that Jesus does not speak to the Pharisees. Then he, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? He does not call the certain Pharisees out. He's speaking to the people. He's speaking to them. He's saying to all of them. So whoever's on this side, I want you to, to hear this. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? Now, if you're on the side of doctrine, you're going to have one, one viewpoint of this. If you're on the side of people, you're going to have another viewpoint. He's speaking to all of them, and he's trying to get all of them to say, you know, what's, what's good to do in the Sabbath, good or evil? So the crowd is made of people with hard hearts and people with soft hearts. Wouldn't any crowd have some people with hard hearts and some people with soft hearts? Some will receive and some won't. Now, this doesn't stop Jesus. He, he still speaks to them. Where do you put the Pharisees on the hard heart, soft heart area? How many of you put them on the soft heart? Uh, no. How many put them in the hard heart? Yeah, we put them in the hard heart. Now, the rest of the crowd, we don't know. You're going to have some people that are more on the side of Pharisees and some people that are not. So, you're going to have some hard hearts in there and you're going to have some soft hearts in there. But Jesus speaks to them. Now, look at this. This is an important principle to. To, to get, I think it's been quite a few years since I've thrown this principle out to you, but I pulled this out of the archives and <laughs> wanted you to, to get reminded of this. If Jesus doesn't expect the Pharisees to change, why speak to them? If Jesus does not expect the Pharisees to change, why does he waste any time speaking to them? Should you speak to people that you don't expect to change? How many of you know you have some people in your life they're not changing? Come on, how many of you know you know some people they're not, they're not changing, they are who they are, they're where they want to be. They're they're hard, they're not changing enough, they're not moving. This is who they are, this is where they're going to stay. So why change them? Why why speak to them? Why do any of that at all? I put this in your outline. Oh no, I didn't. I think I uh, I think I erased it. But I gave you a lot of blank lines, a lot of space there. You can write down as much of this as you want to. If you don't want to write down any, don't feel like you have to. You just write down as much of this as you want. When dealing with evil people, the goal is to... And here's some, here's some things we, we wrote down for this. First off, the goal is to... When you're dealing with evil people, evil people are people with hard hearts. When you're dealing with people that are evil, that have hard hearts, here's some goals for you. First off, expose their false premise... The false premise of the Pharisees here is God does not heal on the Sabbath. That's a false premise. Jesus didn't buy into it. So he's exposing it to them. He's letting them see this is a false premise. This is not something that should be going on. When you have evil people in your life you can speak to them not for the purpose of changing but for the purpose of exposing their false premise. Did you know you can have a a goal that way? Sometimes I always think, well, if I can't get them to change, why should I say anything at all? I'm not really going to help them. Well, you're helping the people around them because you're exposing them. So here's the first thing. Expose their false premise. Second, expose their, expose their false teaching. Expose their false teaching. They've got false teaching they've been doing, false teaching they've been giving to people. Here's an opportunity that Jesus took to expose it. So everything that they've been teaching about the Sabbath now comes into question. Well, that Pharisees has been teaching that that was wrong. What else have they taught me about the Sabbath that was wrong? He's exposing it. I know I'm not going to change you guys, but I am going to speak this and expose your false premise, your false teaching. Here's the third one. When dealing with evil people, the goal is to expose their false intentions. What was the intention of the Pharisees in coming to this meeting to watch Jesus heal this man? The intention was that they would accuse him. That was their intention. Word of God stated it very clearly. They came came to watch Jesus heal so that they could accuse him. That was their false intentions. When dealing with evil people, the goal is to expose their false premise, expose their false teaching, expose their false intentions for the purpose that those around can follow the light. You see, up until then, they were following what the Pharisees were teaching. They weren't following the light. But Jesus came in to expose their false premise, expose their false teaching, expose their false intention to get them to come back and walk in the light. Because they were walking in darkness. I think I left this one in your in your outline that fell out. The power of the false is in the illusion that most follow or believe. The power of what is false is in the illusion that most follow or believe. Now we can go just into the current day events. How many of you have uh, you know the, all the stuff going on with the tax bill and who's going to get a break and all this sort of stuff. And the news media, you know my viewpoint on the news media, I believe, that, believe them to be as evil and as false as anything that's on the face of this planet. And their intentions are evil, they are not good. So every opportunity that I get, I try and expose their false premise, their false teaching, and their false intentions. I always try and expose it because I don't believe anything about these guys. They're, they're out for for certain things. Well, they constantly have... How many have heard the, pro, the polls that 80% of people do not want the tax bill to go through? 80% of... That's the number they've been throwing out. 80% of the people do not want a tax cut. Now, if we were to poll around this room, how many people in this room right now want to pay as much taxes as they have been paying or more? Raise your hand. I do not see numbers reflective of what the news media is trying to tell us that the polls are. That the polls are such and such. (laughs) 80% of the people don't want to pay less taxes. Does that even make sense? That doesn't even make sense that anybody would... I mean, if you were uh, uh, approached and someone said, look, i got two choices for you when you take the job here. You can either pay... 30% 30% of your income as taxes, or you can pay 15%. Which one would you like to do? How many of us are taking the 30%? How many of us are taking the 15%? we take the lower one, right? Because that means you get to keep more money. I like that idea, keeping more money. And so they tried to, to pitch this, and people, they said people were buying it, because, see, the illusion is that people are behind this they try and promote that the illusion is that most people believe in global warming caused by man. They pose that as a, as a belief that most people think this. They, they pose a belief, and I know some people here like Trump, some people here don't like Trump. I'm not really trying to get into the, the Trump doctrine and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, for a long time, over the first year, they have uh, pitched that the president does not know how to deal with foreign countries. How many have seen that? We have had the thing pitched, that he does not know how to deal with foreign countries. And yet we've seen more progress in the area of foreign countries than we have in any other other presidency that I can think of. We've got better deals going on. We've got more sway. And we've seen more influence going on. And it's just amazing when when he goes out to these other countries, the way they greet him. It's very different from how they greeted previous presidents. The media won't bring out that but it's very different. And and you may like him, may not like him, but uh, as far as the job that he's doing, I think he's uh, surpassed what a lot of people thought that he would be doing. We're seeing a a much better... uh, People didn't like the way he dealt with North... How many looked at how he dealt with North Korea? And I just wish he wouldn't do that. I just wish he wouldn't speak that way. But you see, North Korea thinks differently than us. And if you don't adjust your speaking to their thinking, then you're not going to get through. And so he adjusted his speaking to go in line with their thinking and then we saw a change in the things going on with North Korea. But you see, this is what the media wants to try and do. Whether it's with the president, whether it's with laws, whether it's with taxes, whether it's with a building a wall, whether it's with immigration, whatever it might be. How many, about, how many heard about the Amwar? Amwar got arcade to be drilled in. Anybody heard about that? Is that news to anybody here? Anybody did not hear that Anwar is now open for oil? Did anybody hear that? You, you did hear it. You did not hear. It. Okay. Yeah. Apparently uh, that uh, apparently got uh, put through, and so the news media was coming out, and now they're telling that, telling people that the oil companies are going to ruin the wilderness in Alaska. So these are the numbers that I heard. That uh, it was that was okay. I believe that the area of Anwar is about 19 million acres the area that has been okayed for drilling, and they can't drill on all this, it has to be okayed, the area approved for any drilling at all is about 2 million. That's 17 million. It's off limits. Now, if you heard any of the reports, how many of you got the idea that 17 million acres are off limits? They don't get that because they don't... You see, what they want to do is they have to pitch it in a certain way. We can't pitch it correctly. We've got to pitch it in a certain way. That's why... I tell you all the time, keep the news media out because all they're going to do is try and taint something to get your opinion to go in a certain direction. And once they get it to go in a certain direction, then they can, then they can alter, alter things from there. We don't want that to happen. Don't let those things come in. Don't let these, these things that these people are saying, don't let them in your life. And if you do hear them, be suspicious. Be suspicious because more than likely they're trying to cover something up because very seldom does the news of try and bring things to light they generally are trying to cover things up and bring something to light to get you to think on it a certain way that's how false teaching works anything false is going to work in the same way in the, in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of the world they can only bring certain things to light and they're going to tell you how to think about those things instead of just bringing you to here's, the, here's what's going on Here's what the bill says. Here's what the facts are. Here's what actually happened. Instead of just bringing us to that, no, no, we want to alter it. So we've seen the news media, they're going through and they've altered audio tapes. They've altered videotapes. They've altered testimony. They have made up stuff all for the point of trying to alter your opinion. Don't let them do it. This is the power of what is false. It is in the illusion that most follow or believe and when you look at the area of global warming what is the one thing they constantly throw out well the consensus of scientists is how many you have ever heard that terminology before most people agree don't do it don't listen to it folks here's the other one the power of light is the truth the power of the light. The power of the gospel. The power of what is true. power is what is, what is, what is coming in, in your life to illuminate your life. The power of it is in what is true. And see, the light is never afraid of truth. It's never afraid of truth. But what is evil is always afraid of truth. We have to cover certain truth up. We have to conceal this over here. Think of it this way. Have you ever um, wanted something, say that you were at your job, and you wanted a raise at your job? When you come in for a raise, how many of you bring in all of the things you did that were wrong, along with all the things you did that was right? Now, what do we usually do? We, if we were, we're trying to sell a raise here, we're going to bring in all the things we do that are that are right. Because we think that those things that are negative, they probably won't have a great impact on what I want to see, what I want to receive. And so we feel like we have to conceal this to bring this out. That's the, that's the temptation that comes in. That's the pressure that, that comes in. But you see, the truth never needs that. For the, the truth can say, yep, yeah, I, I messed up there, messed up there, messed up there, but did this, 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 and this. Now take a look at the whole package. And uh, do you want more of that? You want less of it? You want me to be around? You want me not to be around? Nobody's perfect. I've made up some, I've made some things that <laughs> they weren't good, but I've made a whole lot more things that were good. See, you're not afraid of it. You're not afraid of what is truth. That's the light, man. I'll tell you, walk in the light. The light is not afraid of what is true not afraid of it the enemy wants to get you afraid of what is true he said to the man who had the withered hand stepped forward Then he said to them is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil to save life or to kill but they kept silent and when he had looked around at them with anger with what he is angry He is looking around at this crowd and he's asking them a question. Is it lawful to do what is good or what is evil? Is it lawful? He's asking them. Is it lawful? According to the law, is it good that we could do these things? And he's looking around and when he's looking around he's not liking what he's seeing. He's seeing the people with hard hearts get harder. He's brought the truth to them. But they've gotten harder. They've gotten nasty. And so he gets angry. And when he had looked around at them. See, he's looking around. at the people that are there, I'm looking around at them, we're, we're studying. How are they responding to these words that I'm saying? And some people may have had a look at Oh, I never thought of it that way. When you put it like that, you know what? He should be healed. No matter what day it is. But there are other people that are looking around and saying, I don't care what you say. I am not receiving this. And with anger, that's what he met it with. He met it with anger. If we have a viewpoint that we resist what is true to preserve what we want to believe, Jesus looks at them with anger. And I, to, I, to, I can sometimes feel this too, because I get angry when you look at people who want to promote something like global warming for the purpose of getting people to pay more taxes getting people to play a, a, a global tax, which is one of the things they have on the agenda, getting people to control how they live or allow people to control how they live when they put their thermostat on, when they uh, fill up their, their tank with gas or whether they have a car that runs on gas at all. And they put all these different, they're trying to control all these different things. And when you bring the truth to them and their reaction to it is to come against the people bringing the truth and attack their character and attack uh, different things. and That's just ridiculous. I, I love it when people in uh, politics have gone against the news media and some of them have said, uh, you know, they're always trying to, you're, you had this affair or you said this before and they're trying to find faults and flaws in their past. And I've heard a handful, not many, but a handful who begin to put them under the, the news media under the same scrutiny. And they actually pull different ones out and they say, well, hold on a minute. When you were back over here, you made up this lie. When you were back over here, you did this thing over there. And they say, well, we shouldn't come under that kind of scrutiny. It's okay for us to put you under that kind of scrutiny, but we shouldn't come under that kind of scrutiny. And some of them will hide behind. There's a freedom of the press. There's a freedom of the press, but it doesn't mean you get to do or say anything you want to. You still got to go out there and make sure that what you're writing is true. But they don't want the truth. They want you to believe what it is that they're saying. So Jesus looks around at this and he gets angry. If you have ever looked around at that and you got angry, you're right with Jesus. If you look at the news media and see some of the things they've thrown out, you're right there with Jesus. And being grieved by the hardness of their hearts that even when they are presented with the truth, they refuse to accept it. Refuse it. He's grieved. He's angry. He said to the man, now look at this. What's the conditions that the Word of God has identified Jesus in? What is his state right now? He is angry and he is grieved. Is there anything in this verse or the verses before that indicate that Jesus is anointed? Is there anything that says "...and the anointing of God came upon, him, or the Spirit of God came upon him, or the Spirit of God was present to heal? Anything like, like that going on? All we know that is present is anger and grief. But then he says this. Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and repented. They did not, did they? And the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might Destroy him. What day is it? It is the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting that the same people who get mad because you are healing people on the Sabbath feel it perfectly okay to plot how to destroy someone on the Sabbath? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that kind of crazy? I couldn't quite see the... see what was going on with that. He says to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, there's no indication there's any special anointing going on, but there is an anointing on Jesus. Jesus Himself has said, the Spirit of God is upon me. And He began to list all the things that He was present to do. And so He just operated in that. He walked in that. Stretch out your hand. And He stretched it out. And His hand was restored as whole as the other. How many like that? you got an injured hand. And he just says, you know, I don't know what's wrong with the hand, but we're just going to it's withered. It's, it doesn't have the strength to it. And he says to him, he says, stretch out that hand. What's your first thought? I can't. I can't stretch it out. The it's withered. It's, it's hurt. And, you know, if you have a hand and it's been withered for a little bit of time, it doesn't have quite all the meat to it that it once had. In fact, the other side has probably got a lot more meat to it than this side that is withered. Just go out there and look at somebody who has legs that don't operate. What happens to those legs? They don't have the same muscular uh, makeup. The the muscles are are weak. The the legs are thinner. Because you don't get that that workout. They're not walking. They're not running. They're not lifting anything. They're just there. And so it's withered. It's probably a lot smaller than the, the other side is. But he takes that arm that was withered, however it was withered, and he stretched it out. And as soon as he does, as soon as he makes that motion to to go, the, the hand is healed. It's healed. He did what he could not do because Jesus commanded him to do it. Now notice this about it. It says, he said, stretch out your hand, and the man did it. The man did it. This is an injury. This is not sickness and disease. We're not casting out demon spirits. We're not speaking to sickness. We're not speaking to fevers. Not taking authority over disease or germs or anything like that. This is an injury. And Jesus said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did it. He stretched it out. And it was restored as whole as the other. This man did what Jesus said without questioning it, did he? I put in your outline this questioning without doing is doubt. Questioning without doing is doubt. If God says something to me and I sit here and say, well will that really work? Well, I don't know if I can do that and we question however it is we question we question it but we don't do it. That's doubt. It's unbelief, isn't it? I'm questioning, but I'm not doing. Now, if we flip that around, we go the other direction. Doing without questioning is faith. And this is what this man did. He did without questioning. What did Jesus say to do? He said, stretch out your hand. What did the man do? Stretched out his hand. There had to be some inability there to do it. But when he did it, it was restored as whole as the other. He didn't say stretch out the hand that you could stretch out. He's saying stretch out the one that you can't. And the man didn't question him. He just stretched it out. And when he stretched it out, it became whole. The injury was gone. Whatever it was that was destroyed in the injury. Let's just pick something. Say that something fell on his arm. And caused things to be cut off. Or damaged in some way. And blood flow maybe had, had been restricted in the area. Whatever it was. Whatever you had to undo that damage. You had to restore the muscles back to the place they were. Because it didn't say it was just restored, it was said it was restored as whole as or as good as what? The other, the one that he keeps on using. So right before their eyes, a, a withered hand, a hand that had less meat on it less ability than the other, was made whole right before their eyes and they saw it. And this is an injury. He doesn't speak to sickness and disease. He doesn't take authority over demon spirits. He just says, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand and became as whole as the other. I put this question here for you too. So what we're doing after questioning me so we know that questioning, but not doing, is doubt. Doing, without questioning, is faith. So what is questioning and then doing? <laughs> I didn't write an answer in on there, did I? That's for you to ponder and to think about. Because how many times is this the area where we fall into? I question... And then I want to do. Question, and then I want to do. Well, folks, if you want to think of a verse of scripture that will help you with this, go back into the Old Testament. And when Israel came up to the promised land, and God says, Go in. And they said, We can't. And then God says, Fine, you won't go in. And then they said, We will. So they questioned and then they did and how'd that go for them (laughs) didn't go so well that might help you out as you meditate on those things and and they begin to think about it now I I put this note in my outline it's not in yours because I just I just plain ran out of room but you can write this in here somewhere if you want to it seems when Jesus is dealing with an injury he always commands something to be done Whenever Jesus is dealing with an injury he always commands that something be done. Now we don't have a whole lot of times so where we know that Jesus was dealing with an injury. We do have some and we're going to take a look at uh, the ones that we have. But it always seems like he said to do something and generally it had along the lines of them doing something that was in, outside of their, their ability. Outside of their range of what they could do. In particular, this man, being able to, to do this. Stretch out your hand. So, in order for us to operate and get the healing in the area of injury, if we follow what is in the Word of God, and what, what um, I mean, we don't really have a whole lot on injury. We have some. If we're going to follow it the way that the Word of God says to do, then the example is. To do whatever is said to be done without questioning. So I pondered on this for a while, and thinking about this, you know, how can we how can we learn from this? How can we get to a place where this helps us? How can we get to a place where this is this is going? And so, uh, this is what I I, I came up with. And thinking on these things, and meditating on these things, and I'm trying to put it out here for you. Have you ever set a goal in mind? And we'll just uh, we'll pick something. You know, there aren't too many things I can think of on this. Uh, how many got a some kind of new exercise equipment for for Christmas? One person. I am sorely disappointed. you got a new exercise equipment. Maybe it's a, we'll just pretend that some of you got a treadmill. Brand new treadmill for, for Christmas. And you're going to go out on that treadmill. Maybe some of you got a new pair of sneakers. And you're going to go out there and, and run or walk. Maybe some of you got a membership to the YMCA. And you're planning on going into the pool and swimming. Does this sound like something you can line up with? Not a soul. Okay. <laughs> if you were to start one of these things, jumping on the treadmill, putting the shoes on, walking around the block, walking wherever it is you're going to walk to, um, jumping in the pool and swimming. And say that you, let's just pick the one. Uh, how many swimmers do we have here? Anybody who swim at all? Anybody thought about swimming? Okay, we've got two swimmers. Anybody else thought about it? You know, you can think about swimming. All right, we're going to use that. If you jumped into the pool... And where are my swimmers? How, how, what's the length of a pool? Olympic-sized pool, what's the length? 100 meters? 50 meters? 50 meters? 25 meters? think it's 25 meters? All right, 25 meters, we're going we're gonna to go on that. 25 meters. So we're going to say 25 meters from one end to another. How many of you know for a fact you cannot make one lap? You know for a fact I cannot do one lap, cannot even do it. No, uh, swimming uh, can be a challenge. How many know for a fact you cannot do two laps? Might be able to do the one, but I am not doing two. Not doing two. So let's just say you jump into the pool and you begin to swim and all you can do is two laps in the pool. And you go back and forth, you do the two laps, and I mean a, a lap is out and back, right? That's a, that's a, that would be a lap for me. Out and back. That would be one, not two. (laughs) So you can go out and back twice. And you got out there, and three, four times a week, you are jumping into the pool, and you were going out and back, out and back. How many of you expect that after a little while, you should be able to do three? Yeah, you expect your capacity to increase, right? And if you stayed at it, how many of you would expect that capacity to increase to four? And maybe... Five, and we're not talking, you know, um, Michael Phelps territory, but we're talking that we are increasing on how many laps that we're doing, and maybe even the speed at which we are doing the laps is increasing. And so after we stayed with it for a while, and we stayed with it, and we got we got to a place of, I mean, you guys are the swimmers. What's a good What's a good workout? Ten laps? Is that a, Is that a, I don't know what a good work we're talking running. I know what a good workout is. I don't know what a good workout it is for swimming. What do you think? Ten, ten laps is a good workout? Yeah. What's what's a good workout for Michael Phelps? What would be a good workout for him? Anybody have an idea? It's a lot longer than, lot longer than, than ten. Are we talking fifty? We're, we're down up in the area. All right. We're just trying to, trying to place this and get it... Yeah, we're talking hours in the pool, so however that, that long is. We're going back and forth. there's a point for all this. There's a reason for all this. You expect your capacity to increase after you start. But you start out at one, or you start out at two. But you expect that as you stay with it, that you continue to increase. Now, if you stayed with it for a week, and then stopped, how many expect that your capacity is going to increase? How many of you expect your capacity for laps in the pool to increase if you think about it? If you think about swimming. You wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and think about swimming for a whole hour. You envision yourself diving into the pool and swimming one end to the other. How many would expect that would increase? That's not going to increase it, is it? What's going to increase it? Doing it. Doing it. you got to do it. It's not going to increase it if you you don't get out there and you do it. Just having a gym membership doesn't count. Just because you have a membership to the YMCA and they have a pool doesn't mean that you are increasing your, your ability there. You have to get out there and do it. Now, here's the reason for it. If we don't increase our capacity to do what God says, we can't increase our endurance. We can't increase our results. If all I can do in obeying God is one lap, then all I can do is get one lap reward. If all you can do is swim one lap, then your body is only going to get one lap reward. It's not going to get two lap. It's not going to get three or four lap reward. It's going to get one lap reward. And your expectation, if such, is I'm going to get the fitness that doing one lap can generate. And if I started at the level of being able to do one lap and never increase over doing one lap, then I never increase my capacity and never Increase my results. If you had a condition like this man and Jesus said to you, stretch out your hand. If we did not have a greater capacity, most of us would say, but I can't. Because I don't have the capacity to step out there. I can't share all this with you. This is one of the lessons I learned when I was in cross country. It's one of the most important lessons I had learned, and I can't share it with most people. I'm not going to share it to you to the degree that I, which, for which I learned it because I don't have a frame of reference to be able to tell it to you. I'm going to tell it to you as best as I can. I would, it's not that you can't handle I just don't have a frame of reference to be able to, to, to do I just I saw this this week. I was talking to somebody. They were actually a runner, and I began to talk to them about this principle. And they were completely oblivious to it. Every time I tried to talk to them about this principle, they went off in another direction. And I finally just stopped and said, I can't talk to them about this. There was one time I tried to talk about this principle to a cyclist. I thought, surely a cyclist will understand this. And I began to talk to them like they understood it, and they did not understand the principle that I was trying to get at. I'm going to tell you about a principle. I do not operate in this principle now. I did a little bit for a time. But I don't operate in this... I'm not telling you this is how I operate. This is how I go out and run. I'm telling you it's how I did. And I began to learn there was a whole lot more in this area. But this is what, this is what taught me some things about our capacity of what we're able to do. Because, folks, there are some things that we need to be healed from that need the obedience that comes from a 50-lap mentality and we're down here on one and this is the principle that I learned if you go out and pick up running today and run for a year you will probably never experience what I'm about to tell you I do not, like I told you I do not experience this on any basis at all now but I did and I had run for a number of years before I ever walked into this there was a principle that they were trying the people who were on the team tried to get me to understand. But when you begin to run in a competitive way and you push yourself into a competitive direction, there is a type of pain that you will face and that you must have the victory over, that you are not even capable of experiencing unless you train for it. I was running 100 miles a week easy, not even thinking much about it, 70, 80, 100 miles a week, and never experienced the type of training I had to, to face this pain, to face what was ahead of me. It is a pain, and this is why I say I have no point of reference to tell you, there are probably... Swimmers who could tell you they had the same thing there are probably cyclists who can tell you they had the same thing there are probably people who are in ballet who can tell you they had the same thing there are probably people who play instruments who can tell you some of the same things but I can only tell you in the area the only area I ever experienced this in and that this is a pain that comes in and it tries to take over your entire body it is not a pain that is muscular it is not a pain that is in your lungs it is not a pain that is Physically stopping you from doing anything. It is a pain that comes in and takes over your body and your mind. It takes over your mind so much that once it takes over your mind, it actually stops you from being able to function in certain basic things such as hearing and seeing. It will actually take your vision away, it will actually take all desire for anything else in life away. It is all gone and everything is just focused. And it's a battle to try and keep enough of your mind free of this pain that you can continue to push your body and make it go faster instead of slower. Because once this pain starts to set in, your body begins to slow down. Now, I told you I just dabbled, just dabbled in what was going on. These guys that are winning the marathon have a victory in this area like I cannot even conceive of. But they have an ability to put an obedience on a level that I can't touch. And most of you can appreciate that. Running a marathon in two hours is pretty incredible. Pretty incredible to be able to do that. But there are people out there that can do it. And they have a mastery over their body in which their body will do what they say without questioning. Now see here, the reason I bring this up. And I'm not talking about it any more than that. I, I, I could go into it more detail, but there's, we would lose the benefit. Here's what I want you to get from this. If you continue to operate in your, your life on one and two lap abilities and never push beyond it, there are obedience to things out there that will give you victory over things in your life, but you can't even see them. You can't even conceive of them. The people in that room were people who were not in a place that if Jesus spoke a word to them would have obeyed, that they would have even heard it. But this man did. And this man had the capacity to without question do what up until now he had been unable to do simply because Jesus said it. When you can get to a place in your life where when Jesus speaks something to you you obey that quick and that unquestionably. You have the ability to get healed and set free from things in your body that have plagued you for years. But see, here's the thing about this. As I study the Word and I look at the people that were injured, everyone that I can think of was told to do something and they did it. Now look at our lives. How many times has has God said things to us like this? And we've, we've harped on this a number of times. But this is, folks, this is in the one and two lap mentality. One and two lap obedience. And we can't even do that. How many times has God spoken to us and said, Stop eating like this. Stop eating those things. Start eating these things. And what do we say? Oh, God, that's a good idea. Man, I'll tell you what, I can see the wisdom in that. I I know I need to do that. And what do we do? We don't do it. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. How many times has he told us, start walking, start swimming, start lifting, start doing something in the area of exercise. And what have we said? As soon as I get time. um, As soon as I get some more time, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get that done. That's a good idea. I like it. Uh, As soon as I get more ability to to do that. I mean, right now, I just can't get up early enough and that's about the only time that I could do that. Well, right now, I have these things going on in my life. As soon as I get past these things, I'm going to get out there and do it. Folks, if we cannot obey on these low levels, He cannot speak to us the things that he needs to. That we need to listen to and obey without questioning. And when he does. When he does. And he says, Steve, do this. And I say, okay. And I just go out there and I do it. Instead of saying, man, that's a good idea. And I really like that idea. I think that is just the wisest of all ideas. But I just can't do it. Just, I will. I will. I'll, I'll get to it. I've got areas of my life I've done that too as well. Because you see, I haven't increased my capacity to the level I need to be at yet. You've got to have the vision. You've got to have the goal to increase your capacity to obey God. And the way that you do that is to take these little things that He's telling you about right now and do them. What little things, and, and for you they seem like a big thing. right? They seem like, oh man, I just... Huge. You want me to do how many laps in that pool? Oh, I don't know that I can do that. That is just huge. But then after you do it, after you do it, it's like there's nothing. This is, this is not even a big deal. You only want me to do four, four laps? Four, four laps? That's it? Do that in my sleep. You're thinking. So you jump in that pool, you bang out four laps. That's all you wanted? it? You see, before that was real, real, hard. Now, it's not just in these areas. How many times has God said to you, see that person over there? I want you to bless them. Give them $50. Oh, I can't do that. I mean, I only got $50. And I got to go out and I got to do these other things. That's all I've got is $50. If, if I give that away, what are we doing? Questioning. What did the man do with the withered hand? He did what he was, what was impossible to do. Where we constantly come to him with the possibility instead of just doing it i don't think that's possible i can't do that i don't have an extra 50 dollars this week i, I mean what I, that 50 dollar bill i have in my that's it that's all i've got i don't have anything more if i give that away what am i going to do and what's god trying to get us to do increase our capacity now, how many can think back to a day where when God said, give $10 to that person, that was a tough thing for you to do? How many can think back to that day? $10 today. Oh, man, I don't know. $10 into this offering. I want you to put $10 into this offering. Oh, man. That's... And now God can come to you and say, put $100 in. Okay. No pro- Why? Because you increased your capacity in that area. How would you increase your capacity? By doing it. But You see, you couldn't get to a place where 100 dollars was easy, nor can you get to a place where 500 dollars is easy, until you first got to a place where 10 dollars became easy, and then 20 dollars, and then 30 dollars, and then 50 and then 75. And we kept going up. and every time we went up, it was a stretch for us, right? It was tough. When you go out there and you start walking around the block, walking around the block one time, that was hard. That was tough. And now all of a sudden you're walking around the block six times. You're doing a mile and a half walking. You're you're putting some time in. And it's not even hard for you anymore. You're thinking of going up to two miles, three miles, whatever it might be. You're increasing that capacity. You keep having the vision to increase the capacity. But when it comes to the area of God, I increase my vision on what I want to receive, but I don't increase my vision on what I want to do. Because in order to receive... There is a doing. What did the man with the withered hand have to do first? He had to do what Jesus said. When he did what Jesus said, what did he receive? He received what he wanted. That was a great harvest, wasn't it? But it took a great thing to do. And for a lot of us folks, if God spoke to us something great, we couldn't even hear it. We couldn't even hear it. You want me to do 25 laps in that pool? You're not talking to me. I know you're not talking to me. We can't even conceive of it. See, folks, we can increase our vision on what we want to receive. But it's very hard to increase our vision on what we're asked to do. But if you want to increase what it is you're going to receive, you've got to increase what you're willing to do without question. Then when God comes to us and he says, I want you to go over to that person and I want you to speak to him about what you learned in your devotions this morning. I want you to speak to them about what I shared with you yesterday. I don't even know if they want to hear that. See, I go into questioning. God says, that's what I want you to do. But you see, when I get to the spot where I feel my spirit and God's saying, go and speak to this one about this, and I just go and I speak to that one about this, and I don't question it, what have I done? I've increased my capacity. You've got to increase the capacity of what you're able to do if you want to increase the capacity of what you can receive. This is not the area of authority. This is not the area that devil, I take authority over you. That has nothing to do with what you do. It has to do with what Jesus did. This is not the area of sickness and disease has no right to be in your body. That's because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. But well, when you get into some of these other areas it's very much a relationship to what it is that you do. And not to what you do as far as works and earning credits but earning or getting yourself to a place where you will be able to obey without questioning. Because right now folks our capacity is down here. But our capacity needs to be rising. When we look back over this year, most of us can see that we have increased in the area of our income. Most of us can see that we have increased in the area of what we know of God. Most of us can see that we have increased in certain areas in our ch- Christian walk. But I'll ask you this. Can you say that you have increased your capacity to, without questioning, do what God has said? Because when you're dealing with the area of restoration fixing something that is injured it always seems like stories that I saw in the word of God that he said to do something that something was not necessarily easy to do without questioning so we're going to spend some time on this to find out what is it that God is saying to us but in the meantime you can do this what are the things that God has spoken to you to do that you have found excuses for? So think of it this way if God has spoken to you to do something, to increase something in a particular area in your life, don't you think He's mapped it out that you can? And instead of saying to God, I cannot because, go to God and say, that is a fantastic idea. Where? do I put that in? What gets at put out of my schedule? What do I change in order to accomplish this? And what do you think God would say? I'm huh, glad you asked. Get rid of this thing in your life. You don't need it. Take this thing out. Take some time from here. Do something over in this, this area. If you believe that your body needs eight hours of sleep in a day, and you're working your schedule to get eight hours or seven hours or whatever the number of hours is that you're trying to get. And God says, take an hour from sleep and put it into doing whatever it is he has said to do. Do you not think that God has the ability to take the seven hours or now six hours and cause that to have the same amount of effect in your body that it did before? Ask God. Don't go to God and tell him the problem because every single one of these stories that we're going to look at that deal with an injury, every single one of them deals with a person who heard a command and didn't question but obeyed and they received an answer. It's really easy to come up with questions. It's harder to come up with a doing. That's the direction that we can go. Would you all stand up with me? put this in your outline for the end. What does or what will it take to get you to listen? To listen to and obey the command of God concerning your need. What will it take? What will it, what does God have to do to get your attention? To get this to go. Some people God has spoken to them about changing their diet, increasing their their exercise, and they've heard it. They've heard God. I know God saying that to me. I just haven't done it. And then I've also heard some of those same people, they have a heart attack, end up in the hospital, laid up for a week, two weeks, have a big procedure done. And now what do they say? Well, I guess I need to listen. I guess I need to do that thing. What does it take to get you to that place where you will listen? That's a question you'll have to answer yourself. And I'll tell you what, I want to get to the place in my life where it don't take much. All it takes is for God to say, Steve, do this. And I don't say, I would love to do that. Oh, everything in my heart wants to do that, but God, I don't have time. Everything in me wants to get to that place. We've got to increase our capacity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have a vision for us. You have a way for us. You have looked at this year and you have said that we can increase our capacity and what we are willing and what we are able to do. We want to get to a place where you can speak into our life and say, stretch out your hand and we, without questioning, will just do it. You can say, take up your bed and walk and we'll rise up, we will take up our bed, and we will walk. We won't question, we'll just do it. But Father, you're giving us opportunities all around us. Opportunities with our money. Opportunities with who we talk to, and what we share. Opportunities to obey in what we eat, how we exercise. These are all little areas, but they're increasing our capacity so that you had the ability to speak to us some of these bigger things that when we hear them, we won't question. We'll just do it. We get to that place, there is nothing in our body that cannot be restored simply because we listened to you and you said Steve do this and when we do it we receive the benefit I thank you for it and Father we give you the praise and the glory with every head bowed, no one looking around if you're here today and you say all right God has got my attention now. He's been speaking to me about these low-level things and I haven't given it the attention that it deserves. I've looked at all the excuses as to why I can't. But I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do what He told me to do. If you come to that place about something that he's speaking to you in your life, raise your hand up. Don't worry about who's seeing you. Make that declaration. I am going to do what God has been telling me to do. Thank you. If you're here today and you're saying God is not speaking anything to me or I would do it, I will guarantee you this. You are just not listening. Because I happen to know that no matter how long I have walked with him, He's always speaking to me something that I can do. Something that challenges me. Something that pushes me a little bit further. Something that's getting my capacity to increase. And the only time that's not going on is the time that I'm not tuning him in. He's got some things to say. He's got some things that will help you. But you have to listen. And then you have to do He'll give you the help. And I tell you you what, our God will never tell you to do something that He does not know you can do in your life. He does not know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can get it done. Have faith in your God. That if He says, stretch out your hand, even though you don't feel like you have the ability, you now have the ability. Because He said, Stretch out your hand. If God has spoken anything to you, what always comes along with whatever he speaks is the power to get it done. But you have to receive it. We'll spend some more weeks on this. We'll spend some more time getting into these things. Thank you all for joining us today. Always a pleasure sharing the house of God with you. Lamar, is not over here, but Lamar is heading out for Florida, right? Till April, so he'll be uh, out over there for training. We won't see him around too much. Mandy and the kids get to go out two, three times. They're thinking over the over the course to, to go out there. But um, uh, when you see Lamar, make sure you give him a, a send off for that. And we'll still be, able to be in touch with them. On Facebook, text messages, whatever else that you have. Uh, Brother Jolly left for uh, for home. Uh, Mary, as uh, most of you know, had pass, passed away. And so um, uh, they're having the, the, the. It's not recent, of course, it was, it was a, a while back. So um, they just waited for a little while for the memorial service. So the memorial service is when? Friday, Saturday. Friday and Saturday? And it, uh, when is the Facebook broadcast they're going to do? It's going to be Saturday? Do you know, do you know about what time? If you find anything about it, send it to me and I'll put it up on the church Facebook page. So if you all want to tune in and see the, um, the uh, memorial service for Sister Mary, uh, you can get the chance to, to do that. So that will be going on. My brother Jolly is out there. He left on Saturday. As he's a rabbi now, right? He's in Dubai still? Alright, we were talking about his flight. He was going from New York all the way out to Dubai taking uh, United Arab Emirates... I've seen them things on the commercial wow <laughs> man I tell you what, I take a longer flight on one of those things too and they have some nice